Do you believe Jesus is with you in every moment? One of the best ways to instill this truth is by spending time in reflection and prayer. Dr. David Jeremiah makes this easy with his new 365-day devotional called Walking with Jesus. This exclusive book is available for a gift of any amount in support of Turning Point. And for a donation of $120 or more, you'll receive the devotional four-pack, perfect for gifting. Learn more when you visit davidjeremiah.ca. If you're a believer, you know it's not always easy living for Jesus. But you can take comfort in knowing that Jesus is also living for you. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah continues his new series, The Jesus You May Not Know, with a look at all that Christ is doing in heaven on your behalf. Here's David to introduce the conclusion of his message, Is He From History or From Eternity? Jesus the most formidable name of all names, the most famous, most important person ever to step on this earth. Who is he? We're talking about the Jesus you may not know. And today, as we conclude this week, we're going to finish up what we started yesterday as we answer this question. Is this Jesus from history or from eternity? We'll get to it in just a moment, but let me tell you about some resources that we want to make available to you. During this series, you can get a whole package of resource material on the study of these questions concerning Jesus. There's a study guide. There's a full-length book. There's a CD package. You can get all of these by just going to davidjeremiah.org. You'll see them all listed there. It's a great personal Bible study and a great group Bible study, and everything you need to do that is available to you right now from Turning Point. Also, the resource for the month of December is our beautiful devotional for the new year, leather-covered. This year, it's called Walking with Jesus, and there's a devotional here for every day of the new year. You will love this. You will want to have this at your side. It primes your spiritual pump every day, gets you going in your walk with the Lord, and we've prepared it just for you. It is beautiful. It is wonderful to have, and the input that it makes into your life is surely going to make you walk with Christ in a better way. Walking with Jesus, the devotional guide for a gift of any size during the month of December. Just ask for this, and we'll send it to you. Here's part two of Is He From History or From Eternity? God, through Jesus Christ, has loved you before the foundation of the world. Before you could do anything, good or bad, you were loved by God. That means He doesn't love us because of who we are. He doesn't love us because of what we've done. He loves us because of who He is. When we succeed, he says, I love you. When we fail, he says, I love you. Because he is love, there is nothing you can ever do to make him stop loving you, and there's not anything you can ever do to make him love you more than he already does. Because his love is eternal. It's a part of who he is as God, and it's always been true. Everything you have ever done or thought, whether it be good, bad, or indifferent, was in the future. When God set his love upon you, he loves you, my friends, like you cannot imagine. Will you say, I don't feel loved? Let me tell you with authority, that is not God's problem. 
we cannot blame God for our feelings. God has told us the truth. He loves us. Believe it. Eternity in history. God loves you. Here's the second thought. Eternity in your heart. This is really an amazing thought. Hold this because it's important to this. He's loved us forever. Then he set about creating us. And he created us, men and women, with eternity in our hearts. He created us literally so that all of us were made for him. It should say on us, made for God. Because every one of us have been created for his pleasure. And the Bible tells us that when God created us, he left a space within us, a space that only he can occupy. In Ecclesiastes 3.11, we read these words. God has put eternity in our hearts. That means that every one of us has a hunger and a longing for God, even if we don't know it. That even when we might be rebelling against God, saying, I won't have him to rule over me, there's still this empty place in our hearts, and God is the only one who can fill that. One of the challenges we have in our culture is we try to fill that with everything else, don't we? We try to find meaning through riches or relationships or pride or money or sex or drugs or whatever. Everything we stuff into that space doesn't fit because that space was made for God. He created eternity in our hearts. I reviewed a book that I had read many years ago by Don Richardson, and the title of the book is Eternity in Their Hearts. And this book is about missions and how missionaries would go to these foreign lands like Papua New Guinea where no one had ever been before. And yet, without any witness from any person, they would discover in the minds and hearts of these people that they had some kind of lingering hunger after God, and they were trying to find out who he was. They would search, they would go, they would build their own idols. Somehow, even in the pagans who did not ever have a witness from God, there was the evidence that God had put eternity in their hearts. And then a missionary would come, connect the dots between God's love and that person. And oftentimes, whole civilizations would be changed and churches would grow. God has put every one of us in a place of knowing God if we want to, He's built this place in us that's specifically for him. And if you do not know that, if you do not accept it, it doesn't go away. It will continue to be there. And do you know that even after we become Christians, there's still a bit of that within us? The Bible says that all creation is groaning, waiting for the day of redemption. What that means is that in this world in which you and I live, we can have the joy of knowing Jesus Christ in a personal way, but we were not built for this world, and this world was not built for us. We were built for eternity. Until we get there, we're not going to have that wonderful feeling that everything is right. I think when we get to heaven, the first thing we're going to do is say, oh, man, this is what I've been looking for. Because even as Christians, Romans tells us that we have a hunger in our heart for something more. Have you ever noticed that when you start out in life and you have these goals and you get there and you realize it's not enough? I remember we started at our church. My goal was someday maybe to have a church that had a thousand people in it. When I got to a thousand, I just knew so many people that had five thousand. 
And I don't care what you do, there's always somebody bigger. And I finally settled it once and for all. I went to India where there was 200,000 people in church. I've given up that game. I'm here to do what God wants me to do, however many people he sends me. Amen? But isn't that true? I have a story about guys who won Super Bowl rings. From the time they were in grade school, they wanted to play in college. And when they got in college, they wanted to play in the NFL. And when they were in, they wanted to win the Super Bowl. Do you know that about 15 years after the Super Bowls, the study showed that almost all those rings were gone. They had been sold. They'd been given away. They'd been hocked. They weren't what they were looking for. And I've heard over and over again people who've accomplished great things. They get to the place they hope they could get to, and it didn't fill the emptiness in their heart. You know why? Jesus is the only one who can fill the emptiness in your heart. You can keep trying if you want to. It'll be a frustrating existence if that's what you do. So eternity is in our hearts. In fact, St. Augustine once wrote it this way. He said, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they learn to rest in thee. So what is eternal life? John 17, 3 says it this way. This is Jesus' definition of eternal life. Listen carefully. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. What did Jesus mean by eternal life? Let me tell you a story. I don't know how I got fixed on this, but as a young pastor, when I would ever go to do a funeral and go to the cemetery, I started kind of getting there early and walking around and looking at what people put on their tombstone. Turned out to be sort of a little gathering of humor for me over the years, and then people found out about it, and they started sending me all these really crazy epitaphs. I got a whole book full of them, like... Here lies the body of old man Peas, buried neath the flowers and trees, but Peas ain't here, just the pod. Peas shelled out and went to God. There you go. That's on a tombstone someplace. Or this one. Here lies the body of Marianne Brown. At death she weighed 400 pounds, but now in sweet repose she rests in peace and rest on Abram's breast. A little boy came along and saw it and thought it didn't need another stanza, so he added, it may be sweet for Mary Ann, but it's really tough on Abraham. (laughs) So I got all these epitaphs. But you know what, folks? The strangest epitaph you'll ever see, and you will see it over and over. You can go to almost any cemetery, and you'll see it more than once. Here's what it says. Born August 1st, 1930. Entered into eternal life, and then there's a date. And the only thing wrong with that is that's not true. You do not enter into eternal life when you die. You enter into eternal life when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Jesus said, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. So, Eternal life is described by one Scottish minister as the life of God in the soul of man. When I accept Jesus Christ and he comes to live in that vacuum that God created in my heart, eternal life begins. And when I die, it just takes a step forward. So I am living today. I have eternal life. We say that on occasion, but we don't really stop to think what it means. 
You don't get eternal life through death. You get eternal life through faith. When you see Jesus Christ and you receive him as your Savior, you become a Christian, the Bible says you have eternal life. Eternal life is not a death issue. It's a faith issue. So now you have eternal life. And what does that mean? Well, first of all, it means enjoyment. How many of you know when you're not a Christian, your attitude about Christianity is that you don't want to be a Christian because it won't be any fun? I had a guy tell me one day, I'd be a Christian, Dr. Jeremiah, but it would be really inconvenient for me right now. And what he meant by that was he'd have to stop doing some of the stuff he was doing because he wouldn't think that would be right for a Christian to do. I'm here to tell you that the greatest joy you will ever know, you will know when you become a Christian. I'm not talking about happiness. I'm not talking about rah, rah, rah. I'm talking about the deep, settled peace in your heart that all is well with you and your maker. When you have that kind of joy, you've never experienced it before. You can't have it any other way except through receiving Jesus Christ and eternal life. You will have enjoyment, and then you will have enlargement. When you become a Christian, it isn't God's purpose to shrink you down, but to expand you. He gives you his Holy Spirit, and when the Holy Spirit comes, he begins to identify gifts in you that can be utilized for the kingdom. One of the greatest things to see for me is to watch people become Christians and then watch what happens to them after they become Christians as God begins to use them, and they explode into something far greater than they could ever have believed would be possible to them. Becoming a Christian is not dialing life back. It's turning it up and seeing how God allows you through your faith to touch people everywhere you go and to make an impact that you never thought possible. Eternal life is enjoyment and it's enlargement, but it's also enrichment. When you become a Christian, you get the Holy Spirit and everything the Holy Spirit brings to you. Your life is enriched. You know, I can say this as a fact. I've been a Christian for many years and I've been serving the Lord now as I just discovered for 50 years as a pastor. And I look back over my life and I'm just amazed at how God has changed me as a person I had this tremendous illustration while I was back in Fort Wayne, realizing how this thing all started. Everything that we have started, and God got a hold of it, he took it to the level I could never have believed. You know, back in Fort Wayne, one day I was in my office, and my secretary said, there's a man here that wants to see you. And he came in and he said, Mr. Jeremiah, I'm the president of WPTA Television here in Fort Wayne. I've been here for a number of years, and I've always thought it would be great if we had a live television service for our people in Fort Wayne to watch. He said, I would like to suggest and propose that you start television at Black Hawk Baptist Church. That's where television started for me. I said, you know what, that's great, but we don't have any equipment. I wouldn't have the first clue how to do that. How would we start? Oh, he says, not to worry. He said, we just retired a couple of cameras are out in the warehouse. He says, we have a couple of TKRCA 45s out in the warehouse. You can have them, and we'll help you use them. Now, you probably don't know what an RCA TK45 camera is, but I want to tell you, it took three people to carry it around. It was huge, big box cameras. They brought two of them in our church. Nobody ever told me anything about color balancing. The first Sunday we were on TV, when one camera showed me I was in a green suit, and the other I was in a blue suit. I mean, that's the way it was. One Sunday, one of those old cameras caught on fire, and we had to evacuate the church. All of that way back then when we started. But look at what God has done now. God always saves us, and then he wants to enlarge us and expand what we can do. 
and take us to a level we never could have believed would be possible. When I left college, my goal was to be a disc jockey. I was doing that right then. I didn't want to go into the ministry because I thought by going into the ministry, I wouldn't be able to fulfill my love for radio. Are you kidding me? I was on a couple of little stations as a disc jockey. Turning Point is now on 3,000 stations in America alone. Who does that? God does that. God saves us not only to bring joy to our hearts and to expand our influence, but to enrich us. That's what eternal life is all about. Never forget it. Eternal life is enjoyment, it's enlargement, and it's enrichment. When you become a Christian, those things happen in your life. It doesn't mean you don't have issues, you don't have trouble. You start living life in a whole different way. Let me take a few moments and finish this up with eternity in heaven. The Bible says that for 40 days after Jesus had risen from the dead, he was here on this earth showing himself to his disciples, and then he ascended to heaven. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 12, by this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin, sat down at the right hand of God. Where is Jesus right now? He's at the right hand of God. And the Bible says he went into heaven and he sat down. He didn't sit down because he was fatigued. He sat down because he was finished. He had finished what he came to do, and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. A lot of times children will ask you, is Jesus in heaven? Yeah. Is he up there forever? Yeah. What's he doing? That's kind of what they ask. And we often wonder that too. What is Jesus doing in heaven? Let me tell you a few things I've discovered from the scripture. First of all, he's providing for you. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is enthroned in heaven with all power and might and dominion, Ephesians 1.20. At this very moment, he's seated at the supreme place of authority, He isn't resting, he's reigning. And his ultimate authority is over all the universe. And if there ever was a time when that should bring joy to our hearts, let me tell you something. I know who's in charge. Sometimes I look around and I wonder what in the world's going on. And I sometimes even say to Donna, it's like nobody's in charge. But I want to tell you, Jesus is in charge. And no matter what's going on in this world that seems so disconnected to us, so crazy and unresolvable, Almighty God has it all in his hands. You say, well, what if this happens? Let me tell you what I know. Nothing's going to happen that Jesus doesn't let happen or want to happen. He's in control. So when you go to bed tonight and you're tempted to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow in this place or that place with this leader or that leader, just rest assured, it's all under control. We may not see it in the everyday things that go on around us, but I have it straight from the Word of God on the authority of the Word of God that Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father, and He is in control. Hallelujah. Here's the second thing. This will surprise some of you. Did you know that Jesus is praying for you? Or you say, Pastor, that's wrong. I'm praying to Jesus. No, no, Jesus is praying for you. Listen to this. Do you remember this? Jesus said to Peter just before Calvary, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. Who is the I? Jesus. Jesus said, Peter, I've been praying for you. And I want to tell you on the authority of this and two other scriptures that he's praying for you. 
Romans 8 says, Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Jesus is making intercession for us. He's praying for us. Hebrews 7.25, He is also able to save to the uttermost who come to God through him. He is always living to make intercession for us. I have to promise you that I don't know how this works. But since Jesus is the infinite, eternal God, it is absolutely possible for him to at one and the same time be always praying for those of his family, including you and me. And he prays for us before we even know we need prayer because he knows what our needs are. And this week, wherever you go, and maybe you have an interview this week for a job or you're facing a doctor's appointment you dread, let me just tell you something. Whatever's going on in your life, Jesus is praying for you. When you pray to him, you know he's already praying for you. The scripture teaches that. I believe that. I think I've experienced that in my life. Here's the third thing. He's providing for us. He's praying for us. And he's protecting us. I don't know how he does this, but he has this way of caring for us. This is borne out in one of my favorite benedictions. Listen to this benediction. It's from the book of Jude verses 24 and 25. This is a benediction. This is a prayer. Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Did you know that one of Jesus' roles in heaven is to keep us from stumbling so that one day he can present us faultless before the Father? That's what he's doing in heaven. He's providing for us. He's praying for us. He's protecting us. And here's maybe the one you know best of all. He's providing a place for us where we're going to live someday. John 14 says it this way. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus is up in heaven getting our residences ready so that when we get there, we won't have to get a real estate person to help us find where we're going to live. You say, well, what are they going to look like? I have no idea. But here's what I do know. Jesus took seven days, 24-hour days, to create the whole world, and we've given him a whole lot more time than that to work on our heaven, so I think it's going to be pretty good. And if you take the descriptions of heaven that are in the Bible Seriously, and I do, it is beyond anything you can imagine. He's getting ready for us, and one day we're going to be with him, and we'll live with him forever. And you know how I know that? The Bible tells us that. The Bible teaches that. And when does that start? It starts the day, the hour, the moment when you say yes to Jesus. When you accept him as your Savior, and you receive the gift of eternal life. The Bible says this, The wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I want to ask you today, do you have eternal life? Have you filled that space in your heart that just cries out for God? Are you still trying to figure out some way to bypass God's plan and stuff everything else into that space? I want to promise you, you will never know joy and satisfaction and peace until you know Jesus. I'd like to ask you to accept him as your Savior today. 
I'd like to introduce him to you and tell you with absolute confidence that if you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life today, it will be the absolute best decision you have ever made or will ever make. It will change everything in your life, not only here, but in the future. Please don't walk away from that opportunity. Did you know that Jesus said he was going to heaven uh, to prepare a place for us? And listen to this carefully, that where I am, there you may be also. Did you know that Jesus wants you to be with him for eternity? This Jesus who is from eternity wants to spend eternity with you. And if you will put your trust in him today, if you will ask him to come into your life and ask him to forgive your sin and give you the gift of eternal life, he will do that. And beginning today, your eternal life begins. Someday soon, we're all going to see the Lord, whether through the rapture or through uh, our death. But when we see him, if we know him, we will be with him forever. We will be the answer to his quest that you might be with me where I am. I hope you're ready to be with Jesus where he is. Accept him today as your Savior. And don't forget to join us on Monday as we talk about is he from the Old Testament or from the New Testament. See you next time. Have a great weekend. Today's message originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. If Turning Point is strengthening your walk with the Lord, drop us a line at Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, RPO Sawasan Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new 365-day devotional for 2024, Walking with Jesus. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also stream more than 1,200 of Dr. Jeremiah's messages on demand on our streaming service, Turning Point Plus, for a monthly gift of any amount. Visit turningpointplus.org for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we continue The Jesus You May Not Know on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. We celebrate Christmas every year, but have you ever wondered why? Why Mary? Why Joseph? Why a newborn king? In the film called Why the Nativity, Dr. David Jeremiah gives you a front row seat as you travel back in time to experience the sights and sounds of this pivotal moment, the birth of Jesus. Make this your new Christmas tradition. Why the Nativity is available to stream for free at whythenativity.org. Watch it today for free at whythenativity.org. If you're looking to enhance your personal or group Bible study, look no further than the Jeremiah Bible Study Series. In each volume, Dr. David Jeremiah helps you understand what the Bible says and how to apply it. Along the way, you will gain insights into the text, identify key themes, and be challenged to apply the truth found in Scripture to your life. Get your copy today. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca slash study. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash study. Every December, I begin looking forward to hearing which of our children and grandchildren will make it home for Christmas. From the day we get the word that they're coming, we start getting ready. That's how the residents of a small town called Bethlehem must have felt when a prophet announced that Jesus would be born there. 
Bethlehem was just a few miles from the great capital city of Jerusalem. Why wouldn't it be the birthplace? God announced ahead of time that Bethlehem would be the place of the nativity in order for the people to get ready for who Jesus would be. Bethlehem was a humble city, and Jesus became a humble Savior. This is David Jeremiah, and that is The Christmas Story on Route 66. Driving the word home this Christmas on Route 66. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. That's Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.